Hey, welcome to the first week of Breath. This is the third time we've dedicated an entire month to teaching and to pressing into the Holy Spirit. And, you know, over this month, we're going to have times where you can experience an infilling of the Holy Spirit. We're going to have lots of times for ministry. And there's going to be many different um, teachings on the Holy Spirit. And so I really want to encourage you from the get-go, don't miss a week. Don't miss a week, but let's go on a journey as a church so that we can see more of the supernatural power of God. Because I really believe that we need it. <laughs> we need it. I, I love in the book of Acts, it says that they declare the message and then it was confirmed by miracles. And I really want to believe and prophesy over this church that this will be a house of miracles, that we would preach the Word, but it would be confirmed by the supernatural power of God. And the way that we approach this month, the way that we lean in and our openness to the Holy Spirit plays a huge part in seeing what God wants to birth through us as a church come to pass. And we all have our part to play. Every single one of us, we are the church. And so I want to encourage you in that. You know, it's our prayer and our belief that some of you are going to be filled, for the, filled with the Spirit for the first time, and that many of you are going to experience and relate with the Holy Spirit at, at an even greater level than you ever have before. And so we're going to have lots of time for that. You know, today I'm going to take us on a bit of a journey through the Word of God, uh, and I believe in faith that the Holy Spirit is going to birth something new in your life. And, you know, sometimes to birth new things, something else has to die. And I really wrestled with this message because I thought I had what I wanted to share. And then I was like, the Holy Spirit, this is, this is you and you're really big and this is a really big topic. And so why don't you guide me? And he took me on a path and now I'm sharing something I didn't want to share. But I believe that if God's in it, then, then it's for you, then it's good. I want to read in John chapter 12, verse 24. It says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So I'm going to speak this morning about how the Holy Spirit guides us in the process of letting things die in us. And it's not romantic, and it's not comfortable, and it's not tidy. And it doesn't sound super fun, <laughs> but yet it's going to be life-giving for our soul because these things in us that need to die in order for things to bring new life. And I just thought, well, hey, like if we can't go really deep together <laughs> and can't get real with each other, then what are we doing anyway? So why don't we pray? Holy Spirit, we invite you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are already here and that you are already moving. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are bringing to the surface things, Lord, that have had a hold and held us captive that you no longer want in us. And so, Holy Spirit, we partner with you and we open our hearts to you and we open our minds to you and our spirits to you and we say, would you guide us? Would you have your way? Would you guide this conversation? And we pray that your will would be done. We pray that, that, that things would be broken off us so that we would experience more life in the name of the, of the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do and all that you are doing. We praise you, God. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
I mean, awesome, awesome. Thanks so much, team. Hey, so I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey through the Bible right now. <laughs> Hopefully you're okay with that. If you're not, I'm not sure why you came to church. Um, let's, let, but let's do it. We're, we're going to go back to the beginning, okay? We're going to go back to the beginning with Adam and Eve. Now, Adam and Eve, the first people. And what was cool about Adam and Eve, they had something super special. And that's that they lived in the Garden of Eden and God walked among them. And they related freely to God. There was this most amazing interaction between them and God. There was no blockages. It was, it was them and God. They knew Him and they knew that He knew them. And there was this beautiful interaction that happened. And then what happened is that sin entered the picture. And so Adam and Eve were then expelled from the garden. They were then separated and they could no longer relate with God how they did. And I want you to think about this for a moment. Any one of you that have had um, a friendship that ended or a relationship that ended or you lost a loved one, you know the grief that comes with knowing someone. You had something real. You had something amazing together. And then all of a sudden it ended. And there's this grief that takes place in your heart. It's like you can't see that person anymore. You don't have that same relationship connection that you had. And I thought of Adam and Eve because every single person, generation after generation that was born after them had this disconnect with God, but they didn't know any different. Yet Adam and Eve knew what it was like to relate with God, to love Him, to walk with Him. Imagine the grief they must have felt when that relationship in that way ended. It must have been really painful. And if we're to just to skip forward um, many years, what happened is that God has chosen a portion. He's chosen a people group that, that to be his people, and he's going to be their God. And, and so he chose the Israelites. And the Israelites, few, uh, from a few different twists and turns, find themselves in slavery in Egypt. And they're being oppressed. And so God sent Moses to set his people free. And so Moses leads the Israelites through the parted seas. They walk through the parted waters, and then the waters then engulf the oppressors that came after, her, uh, came after them. So then there's Israelites that are now a free people, and they're gathering at the bottom of Mount Sinai. And what happens is Moses goes up Mount Sinai to receive the law because they had been living under the Egyptian rule. And so now the Israelites, they needed their own rule. They needed their own law. And so Moses, he goes up the mountain and he's up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And things are getting a bit tense down the bottom because they're thinking, what has happened to Moses? And you know, when I first read that, I was like, why 40 days? It's 10 commandments. And then I read the book of Leviticus. Has any of you read the book of Leviticus? There's a lot of rules. I know some people that use it as a strategy for sleep. There are a lot of rules. And so Moses is really busy. Like they've got, they've got stuff to talk through. And what happens is the Israelites, someone starts a rumor, he's probably dead. God killed him. That's what happened. God killed Moses. And so they said to Aaron, Aaron, we need another God. So they fashioned a God, this golden calf out of gold, and they began to worship this idol, this golden calf. And so they're now at the bottom of Mount Sinai, and they're worshiping this calf. And here comes Moses coming down Mount Sinai with a law that condemns their behavior, with a law that says you should worship no other gods but me. And what happens is then 3,000 people were killed. So hang on to that number for a moment. 3,000 people were killed. And now, listen, the Lord was good. Uh, the law was good. It showed, us a, it showed the people a godly way to live. The law was good. 
the problem was in, with that first covenant is that the people were unable to live up to the law. And so the law that actually intended to bring life actually brought death instead. And so then God promised this new covenant. And then some 1,443 years later, Jesus Christ was born on the earth. And he came with a new covenant. And Jesus, he was often challenged by the religious people at the time, by the Pharisees, why don't you follow all of the law? Like you're calling yourself a man of God, yet I see you and you're not doing all of the things. And Jesus says in Matthew 5 verse 17, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. The purpose was to bring life. So Jesus created this new covenant on the cross. I like what it says in Galatians 4, chapter 4. It says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent his spirit of his son into our hearts. And the spirit calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but you are a child of God. And since you are a child of God, God has also made you an heir. So this new covenant is that you would no longer be held for your sins, held accountable for your sins, but your sins would now uh, be seen as something quite separate to you in God's eyes. So he sees you and he sees your sin as something quite separate, which is really, really good news. I don't know if anyone's with me. It's really great news. And if that's not enough, he then adds another layer of blessing and he gives us his Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit couldn't dwell in us in the old covenant because we were full of sin. But now through Jesus, through the new covenant, through his blood on the cross, through, through us believing in him, in this new covenant, now the perfect spirit can dwell in imperfect us because we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus and he sees the sin is separate to us. And so if you're here and you've been thinking, well, the Holy Spirit is for me on my good days or it's not really for me at all. How can the spirit dwell in me in my weakness and in my mistakes and in my boozy Saturday night? Well, I tell you what, if you believe in the name of Jesus, then actually, even though you're imperfect, God sees you as perfect so that perfect spirit can dwell within you. Now, let's circle back to Adam and Eve for a moment. They related freely with God. It was that beautiful relating with God. Well, now in the new covenant of Jesus, we too have that same open relating to God that Adam and Eve once have through His Spirit. His Holy Spirit is the way that we relate with God. Isn't that amazing news? It's amazing news. And the cool part is this amazing life-giving relating we have to God through the Holy Spirit is but a foreshadow of what is to come when we pass from this life. It says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 22, and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised to us. Isn't that amazing? Now I want you to listen to this contrast. When the Holy Spirit first came on the people of God, so, so Jesus, he had died and he'd been raised into a new life. And then his disciples, his followers were in this one room and they were praying and they were waiting. The Holy Spirit fell on them in Pentecost. And what happened, it says in the Bible, 
that 3,000 people received life that day, that 3,000 people were added to their number. So isn't it amazing that the day that the law was received, 3,000 were killed, and the day that the Spirit was received, 3,000 were given life. Isn't that amazing? That is, what our whole, that is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit brings life, and He wants to bring more life to you, more life to you. Now, I've got this tube right here, and it's clear. You can see through it. And so let's just for a moment pretend that this is how we relate with God. We want it to be clear. We want there to be no blockages. We want the Holy Spirit to be able to speak to us. We want to be able to hear the Holy Spirit. We want to be able to recognize like that, that feeling like something's not right or, or recognize that, yep, I need to go talk to that person. We want to be able to receive His comfort. We want to be able to receive His power. We want to be able to receive His forgiveness. We want to be able to receive His truth, His wisdom, all of that. And we want there to be no blockage, right? We want to be able to relate with God like that. Um, I remember not too long ago, um, or it was a while ago actually, um, Charlie was in kindy. I put Violet to bed as a baby. Micah and Sandra were at school, and so I had that dilemma that all mums do. Do I clean or do I rest? You know, with my free time, what do I do? Do I clean? Do I rest? And so I usually leant towards the clean kind of side. And this one particular day, I really clearly heard the word of the Holy Spirit, sleep and eat. I was like, is that you, Lord? <laughs> was that me? <laughs> Sleep and eat. I know some of you are like, I wish God talked to me like that. Sleep and eat. How good would that be? Anyway, I was like, was that you? I didn't have any feelings that came with it. I don't know. Is that the Holy Spirit? Sounds like a good idea anyway. So, you know, I ate and then I went to sleep. Anyway, I woke up to the phone ringing and it was Mount Primary and they said, look, Mike has fallen off the jungle gym. He's had an accident. Uh, we think he's, he's broken his arm quite badly, we think. It's like, okay. And so I, you know, dropped the kids at mum's, go get Micah, definitely broken. Like the kind of one you look at and you're like, you know, that kind of one. And so we, we go to the hospital and after the surgery and all of that, anyway, by the time I managed to eat anything, it was 10.30 at night. And by the time I got to sleep, it was more like midnight. And I thought, isn't that amazing? If I hadn't have like eaten something and got some rest, then I would have been so beside myself by the end, right? And probably not able to be calm and there for Micah. And that's what we want with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit sees, the Holy Spirit knows. He knows what's best for us. He knows what's coming. He's with us. Us, and so we want to have this open channel, right? Right. Okay, Zoe, you're going to, okay, but what the problem is, we can have things that block the channel. There are things in us that can block the channel between us and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Zoe. So each one of these, well, this one's going to come out. No, it's not. Each one of these represents something. So maybe it's like mistrust in God. And that's just sitting in there. Or maybe it's greed. Or maybe it's lust. Jealousy. Get a little bit drunk sometimes. Maybe, maybe it's fear. And you're like, is fear a sin? Well, feeling afraid sometimes isn't. But living from a place of fear definitely is. Because ultimately we're saying, I don't believe that God is good enough and powerful enough to come through for me in my life. And so living from a place of fear, definitely. And we can have things that come and go, but the ones that stay and block are actually strongholds. 
And so then we can ask the Holy Spirit, would, would you move? I want, I want more of you. I need to hear your voice. I, wanna, I want you to guide me and I want more of you yet. And he does, but we've got these blockages. And remember that through the blood of Jesus, through the new covenant, God no longer sees our sin. So the blockages are not on his end. The blockages are on ours. And they become strongholds. And listen, none of us are perfect. None of us are without sin. And we're going to have blockages from time to time. But I want to speak about strongholds. See, there's a difference between sin that you struggle with every now and then and a stronghold. And I really need you to see the difference. I need you to see the difference. So the ones that don't come out, the ones that are constantly stuck, it's a stronghold. The places that you live from, that's a stronghold. So let's take for an example a mistrust in God as a stronghold. When you see God through that filter, when you make decisions through that filter, when you're like, should I pray for healing? Nah. He didn't come through last time or the time before. I'm not even really sure he does that anymore. And when the preacher talks about the power of God, you're like, meh. I haven't really seen it. Maybe it's not for me. And then we constantly make decisions that leave such little room for faith. That's a stronghold of mistrust in God when we live from the place. There's a difference between feeling afraid and living from a place of fear. There's a difference between feeling a moment of jealousy and living from that place. There's a difference between having those moments of selfish ambition and living from that place. Do you understand what I'm saying? Those are strongholds when we live from them. And here's the cool part, that Jesus has already broken the power of that sin. But when we leave it there and live from that place, we actually give the power back. And when I was writing this message, I had like a, a vision, I had like a picture. And if you're new to faith and you are wondering what I'm talking about, it was like I was just writing and then all of a sudden I saw this picture and I had like an understanding of it um, through the Holy Spirit. And so this picture that I had was of this medical team. And this medical team were working on this body. They were doing CPR on this lifeless body. And there was a lot of activity in the room. There was a lot of energy going into this body, a lot of resource going into this body, a lot of, a lot of um, busyness. And this went on for some time. And then I saw the person in the room who had the authority call a time of death. And I know that sounds quite heavy. But here's the understanding that I had from this picture. That there are strongholds in our life and they're actually already dead through the power of the blood of Jesus. And we've been spending a lot of our energy trying to fight them, trying to mask them, trying to dress them up, trying to push them down, claiming them as part of our personality even. Maybe they've been there so long, we've even started saying that it's part of our makeup. I'm just an anxious person by nature. I'm just a fearful person by nature. I'm just, I just, you know, I'm a realist by nature. Fear's not part of your makeup. Pride isn't part of your makeup. Anger isn't part of your makeup. Unforgiveness isn't part of your makeup. 
And yet we give it all of this energy to mask it, to hide it, and, and we like adopt it. But I felt like God was saying, we're the person in the room that actually has the authority to call the time of death. It's already been broken anyway. The work has already been done by the blood of Jesus. And I tell you what, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, we're, for too long we've been pouring energy into dead places. We've been pouring energy into dead places. We've been putting our energy there. But I tell you what, it is not worthy of your energy. It is not worthy of your energy. It has already been broken. It's already dead in Jesus. And because you believe in Jesus and that Spirit now resides in you, you too have the authority over it. See, the Holy Spirit brings life and He helps things die. And for me, I've got to a place now that I'm like, Lord, if you want something to die in me, do it quickly. (laughs) I don't want to fight it. (laughs) I don't want to hide it. I don't want to dress it up. I don't want to do it myself. You do it. Just, Just let it die quickly. This might help you if I give you an example of my life. So this is kind of what would happen for me. So there's a stronghold causing a blockage between me and the Holy Spirit. And what would happen is it's not super obvious what it is right? It's not super obvious what the stronghold is. And so I start to treat the symptoms. I start to try and pacify things and and come up with strategies and to try and treat the symptoms of the stronghold. It starts to affect me. It starts to affect the way I view my life. It starts to affect the way that I relate to others. And so I start to treat those symptoms of the not so obvious stronghold and energy starts to go in those directions. And then it starts to move from something hidden to something quite obvious. And when that happens, I do a little freak out. And I go, no, thank you. Like, let's just push this down. Let's just hide this. Let's just push this back to where it was. I preferred when it was hidden. But I tell you what, when we do that, what we're actually doing is we're fighting the Holy Spirit. See, at the right time, the Holy Spirit wants to bring these strongholds up so that we can let them die and let them die quickly. And because we don't like the discomfort, And because we don't like the mess and because we don't like the pain of it and and how it humbles us, we try and hide it and mask it and push it down. But if we are fighting against the Holy Spirit, that is not a good place to be. And so I really believe as a church and as a people, we need to get to the place where it's like, you know what? I am fed up enough of the stronghold. And Holy Spirit, actually, I don't even know what it is, but would you reveal what it is? See, I've got things in my life and it's dysfunctional and I don't know what the root is. Holy Spirit, would you reveal it? Would you reveal it so that I can call a time of death? And yes, it may be something that visits every now and then, but it will not be a constant blockage between me and the Holy Spirit and how I relate with God.